Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. The show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desks. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at aspirus.co, A-S-P-I-R-U-S dot C-O, and linkshus.com, where you can sell your products everywhere. Hi, Kitty. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, and I'm talking to Kitty Falk, Managing Director for China for the company IDC. So Kitty, how did you begin your career in doing market research in the technology business? Yeah, actually, research is really my only career. I actually have it in like more than 20 years. This is my first job. I, my first degree is actually on mathematics, statistics, and computing. And I'm lucky enough that the first company that I work with is a market research firm on technology, which is Research Asia. And then that's how I begin my career. And then subsequently, you went from Gartner and then to IDC. I mean, technology is an ever-changing business, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. things are always accelerating. So how do you keep up with market research from your perspective, given that you have progressed across your career then? Well, you're very right, first of all, that the IT industry actually changed so quickly in the last 20 years. And I'm lucky enough working in a research firm that I have a benefit of talking to a lot of senior executives. I I get a benefit of reading all the material within IDC around the globe. It helped me very quickly to capture what is really the key changes of the IT industry in my whole career, I really see a lot of ups and downs in the industry as well as like merge and acquisition in this industry. Having a chance to talk to all these people is important you know, to me though. And also subsequently, the change from PC to mobile, that's another major transition, right? Well, I would say that for the whole industry, there is a lot of different trans- transactions. You are right from the PC to mobility. And I would say that even within IDC, we actually have this like, philosophy that because IDC have 50 one years of research experience. We mm. actually see that in the last 50 years, it's all about how to digitalize everything around us. We scan everything and try to digitalize it and then try to put it into a computer quote and try to analyze it. Now, then what we'll see in the next 50 years will be how all this digitalized uh, information back to the physical, make it more personalized to the people. So all these changes... And then also another angle, what I see is that it have from the phase that it was supply driven. So all the ICT vendor, they come up with the technology, the user is craving for it. They use it whenever there's latest technologies, they, they want to use it to the point that like, well, I just need enough technology. And then now I see the third wave is actually back to now that is because of the mobility, cloud computing, big data, and social media. Now the technology firm back to tell the end user how you should leverage their technology in your daily life. Oh, so that means actually there is a kind of shift from consumer to enterprise now back to consumer then. Oh, exactly. You cover, the, of course, now I presumably the largest market in the world, China. So what are your areas of coverage that you're focusing on in IDC in China? I'm 
actually moved to Beijing 10 years ago, and I'm now managing ITC China. I have a team of about 100 staff, 60 dedicated analysts in China. And you're right that China is a very important market. My role, besides managing the office and giving the direction to the research area, I personally more interested and actually focus is like, to understand about the government agenda. China, one thing which is different from the other market in China is that the government play an extremely important role and it is very difficult for any people that they are not living in China to understand what the government is really thinking and the plan read between the lines setting the target so I personally actually spend a lot of time to understand about the government agenda or even in order to understand about the government agenda I actually have a coach to teach me uh, the cultural difference between West and Chinese in order to help my client to understand both culturally as well as the government how to be successful in China. And I was talking to your colleague, Brian Ma, who came onto mm-hmm. the show and I was asking him, I wanted someone to tell me a little bit more about the China in terms of the landscape well, with regards to technology companies with government and also a company which a lot of my readers are interested called Huawei. But I want to start off with the China five-year plan because mm-hmm. Brian was talking very excitedly to me about it and said that you you are the person that I have to talk to. <laughs> I probably would start off a little bit of a question. Can you give my audience a little bit understanding of what is so, the so-called China's five-year plan in technology that is starting from 2016? Actually, it's not just about technologies. Mm. Every five years, the government have a five-year plan and we are about to finish the 12 five-year plan this year in 2015. And then the 13th five-year plan will begin in 2016. Now, every five years, at the beginning of this five-year plan, the government, the Chinese government will, will set some target. It can be anything, economy, the transformation of economy, state-owned enterprise, or like setting up the target about how green China want to be. So, um, the government will set up this target five years from now, what China want to be. Now, in order to achieve all this target, there's a lot of things or strategies will put in play. This time for the 13 five-year plan, we already see that the government have already put in some key strategies to help to achieve all this goal. And a lot of the strategies is highly related to ICT. And that is why I see that it is a very important five-year plan for all technology companies, as well as for China to transform. One of the things I've read from reading some of the articles that you have talked about is one of the aims is actually also to control the about more than 10% of the World Wide Web and information technology or what people call IT spending after 2018. Is that true? The China market itself is actually the second largest market in the world already. And in fact, by 2020, if you look at like, the emerging technology, which is including cloud computing, mobility, social media, and big data, China, in fact, will be the biggest market in 2020. Mm. It is not just like the ambitious the government want to be, it's actually the nature of this country is big enough. They need technology. Think about it with all this population density as well as uh, the need and the demand. Whatever available right now is not enough to support everything. We need to base on technology to make things more efficient, more effective. 
And based on all the limitation, it will create more job opportunity and create more uh, opportunity in this market. So that's why it is important to have the IT and it is critical as a as a strategy for China to put in place a plan for IT technology. You talk about also the five important goals that they want to accomplish for this particular five-year plan, particularly mm-hmm. in the space of technology. Can you elaborate a little bit about them? Sure. What we see is that we identified that there is a five key area highly related to technology. That includes smart city. The government, three important government parties have come in, uh, to place that Smart city is important for them in terms of urbanization. So there's 600 cities in China have already identified that they need to put in something based on smart city. So it can be a smart industry. It can be like a, a living standard. It can be like they can put in a, a cloud computing platform to share information. So there's a lot of things that they need to put in place for smart city. Second thing is Internet Plus. Internet Plus basically is like how you can actually have your industry overlaid with social media. So the whole Internet Plus can think about Internet Plus education, Internet Plus healthcare, and so forth. So now because of the Internet platform, you can easily to create the industry and make it difference in terms of business model. So that is the strategy for Internet Plus. There is another strategy. It's called Make in China 2025. This is the whole the transformation of manufacturing industry in China. By 2025, it is not just about like digitizing everything, just making use of IT to make it more effective or cost control. It is to make like to transform the manufacturing industry in China from a low-end production center to a high-end production center, and more importantly, to change the label of make in China from cheap product to quality product. So the whole make in China 2025, you can actually reference to the German industry 4.0. So that will include key technology like robotics, IoT, and 3D printings. There's another uh, strategy, it's called One Belt and Run Row, which is more about globalization. So the whole globalization is following the old silk row. So the government is trying to actually influence or export product outside of China with, through the adjacency region. That's mainly include Asia-Pacific, Europe, and Africa. And the last strategy is about secure and controllable. So now the whole thing is about, it's not only about the cybersecurity, it's about the whole security concern and whether the government can control enough that can provide a safety environment for the citizen. So that's why you see lately in the last few months or actually a year or two, the government have been encouraged staying enterprise to use local brand. And it is all based on this uh, strategy of secure and controllable. It tells me a few things. One is that they want to build more web services on top of the current internet infrastructure. The second piece is that they want to move upstream from basically going from basic manufacturing to high quality manufacturing, similar to the European or even to some extent the US economies. How yes. You also talk a little bit about the examples of how they can actually achieve these targets, but pertaining more to the broadband side, the technology development and e-commerce, where will they be heading in this five-year plan in those areas as well? Well, there's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of the 
uh, work they are doing. So first of all, the government have put in a lot of funding for the basic infrastructure. One of the key, what I see is a major funding and it could be like a major game changer is to develop the IC industry. So the government have put in a lot of funding to develop the local IC industry. So you do hear some of the example like Ziguang, one of the local company that they have, they bought 51% of HP, a China HP enterprise and now become the new H3C brand. And then they also have a joint venture with Intel and they was trying to buy Microns. And there's many more things that they want to expand themselves for the IT, IC industry. And this is only one of the many companies they will make use of this funding to develop the local IC industry. And also for the network connectivities. So the government, both the government and some of the key local network equipment company like Huawei, CTE, they're already on the move to push for 5G network. So it is very important for the government together with the local company to move quicker to a much effective and efficient connectivity network and move all the way to IoT because I, as I mentioned, for the five key initiatives, a lot of things need connectivities and the current connectivities in China is not good enough. And also in e-commerce, there's also going to be trying to get local small medium businesses into use, doing e-commerce as well to export to the rest of the world, which is what Alibaba is doing now, right? Correct. So I would see in two different things. One is actually like the platform. So, you know, the BAT, what we call in China, which is Baidu, Alibaba and Tencent. These three basically giants, like Web 2.0 company, they are really like the platform. They build their platform and they provide a lot of the facility to a small company. Now, based on this platform, we see a lot of startup companies start to build their application and or like their own store on this platform. Didi Datra, which is like the Uber equivalent in UR, U, US, uh, actually one of the very good example. They actually like have very good successful story in the Internet Plus story. You begin to see a lot of the different industry to have this type of development. I would like to ask you a little bit more is the smartphone market segmentation. How is it also changing in China? I think uh, the smartphone area is highly related to the Internet Plus initiative. Now, first of all, because of the Internet Plus initiative, like I, I would like to take the Didi Data as an example. Mm. The people in, in China to use a phone is not just like nice to have gadget it is the phone help me to survive you know a taxi driver need a smartphone to survive because of all this application all of the sudden both the provider service provider they need to the phone to maintain their business and the user now i need a phone to actually get the service i give you a good example even for myself today i basically use my phone to call taxi I use my phone to, to order my lunch and dinner. I use the phone to communicate, WeChat to communicate with my team. I use WeChat to collect data from the company for my research. Wow. And then I can even use my phone to, to book my facial, massage, nail, anything. So it becomes I, the way to use the phone in China, what I see is very different from the way to use the phone in other countries because it's become something is necessary. So I do see that the smartphone business actually grow very fast in the last three years because I, there is a need 
for the people to use a phone. And in fact, they need they they have a need to use a bigger phone. So that's why China is almost the first country that they adopt. They have very fast adaptions of the phablet, which is a like smartphone with screen size more than 5.5 inch, because they need it. This is their business. We see that. So they need some phone that is like affordable. I don't need something fancy, but I need a phone immediately affordable, fast enough, secure, and I can get my business running. It's yeah. almost like the mobile phone is the personal computer to the user itself, like a need, the way you were talking about it. Yes, because I actually see that there is certain area or like certain user in China is that like mobile phone is the first smart connected devices. So we used to be in a stage that PC is our smart connected device. It's the center of the smart connected devices. I begin to see in China, not everywhere, but there is certain, for example, lower tier of city or certain user, smartphone is actually the center of the processing gadget. So do you see people using more the phablets than the normal mobile feature phones in the second tier cities. I mean, the first tier and the second tier cities are a little bit different from that. And just to give my audience some context, we talk about first tier cities will be something like Beijing, Shanghai, Hangzhou, Shenzhen, where it's very, it's very advanced. And then maybe Niaoling, Yunnan, all those places where it's a little bit more second to the third to fourth tier cities. So in terms of the smartphone adoption, are they very different patterns in China? It is quite different. So you're correct that for the lower tier city, I think maybe like tier three and below, they are more they're more happy to use a bigger phone. As I say that it could be their first smart connected devices, so they want a bigger screen, so they need to watch the movie. They use it for like um, a different application, so they tend to use a, a bigger phone for the top tier city that they they have a selection because typically a top tier city is like a multi devices uh, user so they have more than one devices anyway so then they will have more different criteria of selections wow so that's actually something very unique this is very uniquely china from your perspective it is very unique in terms of like because i like, china is so big and then the developments uh, maturity it's so diversify in China in different cities so that's why it create you just can't look at China as one single market anymore it's actually it's a in fact if I look at the different province in China, for example, the smart connected devices uh, total shipment in Guangdong province is actually bigger than United Kingdom. Oh. That big. So that's why it is a very big market and then they have a lot of different characteristics, education level, maturity level. In some province, they have their own culture. So it, it creates the diversity of the user pattern. At the same time, it is a big market and because it's so such a high demand, the connectivity services is not that great. So you are in a very high demand market with very limited connectivity level. Mm. So that's actually increased the capacity of this market. Which leads to the government coming up with a five-year plan to try to get to the 5G broadband bandwidth before the rest of the other developed nations, right? Because such a demand for connectivity will also result that you want to leapfrog in technology very quickly in such Correct. a market. Correct, correct. Absolutely. It's like the government need to step up and like move faster for the technology. So that's why they set up a centralized uh, company for, for the tower, so that the telco tower, so that all the three carrier, they don't need to build up their own tower. They want to simplify the thing so that they can move faster. And even the government have policy to lower down the data plans for the user. So that is more affordable for everyone in China. Kitty, 
coming to the second part of my conversation, I wanted to actually, it's a, it's a request from a lot of my listeners is to understand a company called Huawei. Brian was telling me, you are, you know this company pretty well. Maybe just to start off first, maybe, maybe tell me a little bit about the corporation of Huawei. What do they do? Okay. I think first of all, we need to know that Huawei actually is a private uh, owned company. So it's not listed company. So a lot of their financial result is actually not properly uh, listed. But it is a, a company that uh, begin with network equipment. Their main uh, customer is actually carrier. Their customer is not only the China carrier, but it, it, it will be, they have a very good business in the European market as well. So that's how they begin. And then with time, with the success of the network equipment with the carrier, they start to diversify their business to enterprise network equipments and then for to enterprise infrastructure. So that now includes storage and server. And also they have another division which is more focused on consumer, which is I include a smartphone, some of the USB dongle is their uh, business for consumer. So this is the company that they they do really have a very good coverage of enterprise network carrier network enterprise infrastructure all the way to consumer devices mm. so it's like a cisco all the way to apple road into one basically almost <laughs> <laughs> okay but one one very interesting part is that because it's a private company how does the corporate structure of huawei actually works i know that the there is this person by the name of Ren Zhenfei, who is the president of Huawei, is yeah. very important. And he, also, he has his own board that's comprising people who worked in Huawei and have also rotating CEOs. Can you tell me a little bit about the corporate structure of Huawei? I think the corporate structure is nothing like, it's not like something very different. The, mm. the only difference is that Ren Zhenfei is still like the key person to make a lot of the decision. He himself is actually very knowledgeable in the market and have very good connection mm. with the government and also with a lot of the enterprise in China. And you're correct that like, they have a rotate CEO strategy so that it's a rotation of CEO like, after like few years and then they were changed that this company also have three key division which is like the the carrier divisions the enterprise as well as the consumer do they collaborate together or they really separately run in each silo by itself this is a very difficult question because mm. whenever uh, you come to a company that they have such a major large scale it's very difficult everybody talk to each other because mm. everybody need to grow their own business Correct. so I would say that it's a combination they do have a corporate strategies so the head of the corporate strategy is called William Xu and he he used to actually run the enterprise the head of an enterprise group so now he's the corporate strategies and marketing so they do have three different divisions and and on, on top of it, they do have a corporate um, strategy. So he's supposed to actually link all the different divisions together. I would say that they do have the right structure to make sure that each individual divisions have their own business. They need to grow within themselves and also they have the corporate function to make sure that they do talk to each other. Now, at the end, how much this work, I think the result can tell. From your point of view, Huawei's current strategy in the market probably is all being streamlined into this three path, the carrier side, the enterprise side and the consumer. Am mm. I right to say that? I will think so. In each of these categories, which is actually the most significant revenue generation streams for them? Is it more in the enterprise and carrier side? Oh, by, by far the carrier. Mm. 
this is really like the the core mm. business because they actually they start with the carrier business, so they understand the carrier network. And carrier network is actually very very complicated. The characteristic of the carrier network is more like one to one business. So Huawei basically can have an army of you know engineer to support one carrier to make sure everything works. So it's like more a one on one, and they do they are very successful not only in China but Europe and even in Africa market. So they they are very successful to that. Now the enterprise is really like this the because after of all this success story, then they start to have. Now I can actually enter the enterprise. So if you trace back to the history, they used to have Wasan, what we call is a Wasan, which is a a joint venture of a Huawei and 3Com, and then they have a joint venture. They build it up, and then they have a joint venture. They separate it. So now H3C is completely different from Huawei, and then now Huawei want to come back and then work on the enterprise. It is a new business for them. I would still consider enterprise as a new business. It's just it's Still less than five years of history, so they are still trying to build up. And the challenge for them is like how they can change their mindset from one to one sales to one to many sales. So this is one of the key challenge for them. And then now they need to look at industry solution and things like that. Consumer is actually like a, a separate division. They actually build it up. They have very good success story because like Huawei is such a technology company. They also own their own uh, silicon, high silicon. It really helped the consumer division to create the phone, which is like can take care of the limitation in China very well. Wow. So, which comes to the consumer and the smartphone markets, because Huawei has a reach. I think six point seven percent of the global smartphone、mm-hmm. market share, and I think it beats Xiaomi, at, which is actually only at four point six market share. If、mm-hmm. I were to trace the year-on-year growth, this is a number from the IDC. It's about forty point seven percent. I mean, how did they manage to come from this enterprise carrier business? Into the consumer market and become successful. I actually personally think that this is quite a good story to to look at it. Though I think Huawei, first of all, they are from the carrier. They they understand about the carrier businesses quite well, which is highly related to the phone business. So that is actually give them a benefit of understanding communication industry. What is the difference, right? So that actually already give them some benefit. And Huawei is actually very fast. I Being a private company, the benefit is that you can move very fast, and they move very fast because of the success story of Xiaomi. I think about it, the success story of Xiaomi is that they create a completely different business model, which is online. The challenge before for Huawei is that Huawei is a technology company. People agree about it, but the thing is, I、like, it also consider is an old company, so. Today, when you use a smartphone, you like okay. I want to be fashion. I want to be new. So then you go with Xiaomi. Wow, this is a young brand. They they do things differently. So while we need to change this image, they actually create a completely different brand. Focus on online sales. So that actually they do learn from Xiaomi very quickly and ex- they execute it. So that is the second part of it.、Mm. The third part of it is like now then go to the premium market. To understand that, like it is important to go to the imp- premium par- market because, like the mass market will give you the volume, but it's not the profit. Only the premium market can keep you in the stay, in the stage, and also can give you the profit. So how they can do it? Because again, because they have their own silicon, they can actually work on a lot of different technology to make sure that this phone can be, like、uh, in terms of the features and things, which is like better than the other phone. So if I look at Huawei, they actually do all three things together. They understand the carrier communication business, 
they change themselves and learn about the change of the market condition very quickly and change themselves in terms of the business model. And third, because they have the, their own silicon, they can actually work on technology to, to push them to a premium brand. That's very similar to Samsung for their other in its growth story as well. I mean, Samsung actually started off as a critical components business for things like refrigerators, smartphone, and they leveraged that knowledge of that critical component to understand that technology. Do you see Huawei in that light? But I think they have even more foundation level, right? Because they go into the carrier side where they actually build out the actual telecommunications network for a country itself. So they're actually able to even integrate the chipset with the carrier network to get that consumer product. Is, is, is that how you see their success in the smartphone consumer, consumer smartphone market? Well, I don't think they actually get like the integration with the silicon with the carrier yet though. It could mm. be uh, moving forward with the IoT and some other. But I do see that because they, un- they, they have the relationship with carrier. Because when they really start the phone, they actually is doing the ODM though with carrier. So they actually help the carrier. I think the, the one is actually orange. They used to actually ODM Huawei phone. So they, they actually do this kind of thing that they how they start and then they build up their own brand. It's actually how they move. And I also agree that like Samsung was doing something similar. And in fact, Samsung was very successful company as well. But now it's just like to the stage that like we are seeing more competition, more variety in the market. There's some other phone company coming up from the China market as well. So like Le TV, which is like a content provider, they're going to have their own phone as well. So I think that the smartphone market is yet to stay, to set the stage though. It's still many innovation things is happening in the mm. smartphone market. Yeah, that brings me to a point. I mean, Huawei adopted Xiaomi's strategy in terms with the uh, SN series is a set of phones that actually received a very positive reviews from the market particularly even from known publications like The Verge, you know, Recode about the SN phone series. What is the story behind that? And given that you are seeing a lot of other players now coming into the smartphone market and smartphone is getting very commoditized, do you see some consolidation happening within the Chinese market? And it's just going to go down to that few players itself? I will believe so. I think like the whole smartphone journey is similar to PC market 10 years ago. Oh, there was many, many PC players in the world 10 years ago, but now it's really consolidated to only few players. I think the smartphone market will go through this journey, but this time what I think is that cons- consolidation may not be a merger between two phone company. It could be a merger between a content provider to a phone or some other solution to a phone. It will be a, a different variety of a combination will happen. That's what I will see the smartphone consolidation will begin. I also see that a lot of Chinese smartphone makers are now following Xiaomi's strategy. Instead of going to the US market, they go to Southeast Asia, India, or the Middle East and North Africa markets. Is, is that a trend that you think will persist as well? I think that will be an easier choice. But in fact, the latest uh, data we have, ZTE has managed to actually get a significant share in US though. They are actually the top four player in US in our um, uh, the latest results. So there are still companies actually going to the US market. Lenovo is still there in the US, which is under the Moto uh, brand. I think for the other, which is like they are formally 
more focus in China. Oh, in fact, TCL is actually, they are quite well known in the European market. So I think it's more like those companies that are very, very focused in China, very traditional Chinese uh, brand. Now, they because of the situation of the smartphone market, because the growth rate is like really getting slowed down now, they, they do need to actually expand themselves outside of China. So they need to step up China. And then the easy way for them uh, it's actually to go country which is like closer to China. And in fact, because of the government strategies of One Belt, One Road, you will see more Chinese companies will target um, places like Russia, Malaysia, Indonesia, India. It's just because like, it will follow the whole government strategies as well. In your view, where would Huawei go? I mean, Huawei started off, in some sense, Huawei is like an Intel mm-hmm. equivalent in the U.S., many years back, right? I mean, it predates even the all the BAT companies and now it becomes a giant by itself. So for it to stay relevant, it actually creates a hybrid approach of still living within the carrier and enterprise business, but it has gone into the consumer market. Where, where do you see Huawei's evolution move in the next few years? I think I, what you will see is that carrier is still their core business. Carrier is still their core business because it's there. It's there. They already built the, the empire already. But what I'm waiting to see is that I, to see the major growth in the enterprise business because now they are getting more understanding of the industry solution. And also they are moving quite aggressively to IoT and 5G. So, like even the ELTE network, which is like um, it's an LTE network for enterprise, is something very new. Moving forward, because of their understanding, because they they're so focused on technology. Now, in the past, they missed the understanding of industry, how the industry works. Now they're building up their knowledge and building up their team on the industry. So, what I will see is that because of the increased knowledge of the industry because of move to IoT, even more demand for the connectivity because they have the expertise over there, their growth in the enterprise. That was actually something I'm waiting them to see to happen. Now, for the consumer side, which is the phone, I, I would say that I will begin to see that they may like any other consumer electronics company that they need to start diversify their product not only on phone but other accessory like watch like robox like drum so i will expect to see that for the consumer business to begin to have like a diversities to smart home or more accessory which is again to leverage the expertise of huawei in terms of that uh, connectivity expertise in fact huawei is actually uh, just before i forget to add huawei was actually headquartered in shenzhen guangdong with about 140,000 employees globally mm-hmm. and also have an annual investment budget of us 5 billion in research and development this is equivalent to in some countries r d budget as well. In that sense, Huawei as a company, from your view, is that they will be focusing a lot. They are actually what I would call a mega expanded version of Xiaomi, right? It, because Xiaomi is also going into the smart home, it's also going into the IoT, but it's more branded towards a younger target demographic. Do you see it as that? They will become something which is a larger version of Xiaomi, given their success in the smartphone space, going through with the same strategy? Wow. This, I think, is a very interesting comparison because what I would see is that Huawei, they have their own technology. I see traditionally Huawei is like, they are more 
the type of company that I develop, I create the, the technology and then I sell it. Xiaomi, I see that they're actually more aggressive to acquire or merge with some other adjacency business to expand themselves. It is actually moving. It could be a same goal, but in different strategy. I It's very hard to say whether it is like a, a bigger version of a Xiaomi because mm-hmm. I still think that Huawei have the benefit that because of the technology they have, I would say Huawei have the technology in terms of the chipset with the hardware that they have. Xiaomi, in fact, Lei Jun actually have a a very strong background of software. So he has a very strong background of um, software. It's actually quite a different type of company, though, although they are both in a um, smartphone market. Quite similar to the analogy of Apple and Google, isn't it? Because Apple is very hardware-centric in some sense, although they also have some very good software capability, whereas Google is totally software centric and they are only beginning to move into hardware with the acquisition of Nest and other robotic firms in Japan. Yeah, I think the background is similar, but then... Evolution the is different. Most- <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That would be the right way to say it. Mm. So, Kitty, my penultimate question. What keeps you awake at night about China? What, what is the most interesting questions you want you always in your research that you're always looking for in the Chinese market? I see that there is a very high demand for this market. As I said at the very beginning, in terms of the populations, in terms of the developments of China, IT is extremely important in this market to grow. But what I'm not very sure is that the government, because of the secure and controllable policy, they are now very focused on developing their own technology and make sure that it's the local brand. I'm not very sure whether it will help to move China faster because now they push to grow the local brand or actually make it slower because now they have the, they, they are blocking themselves to partner with the, the global company. That actually is something that in this one or two year I see the change. In my opinion, it may change when the 13 five-year plan begins because now everything needs to restart again and then look at now, this is really the strategy. So now maybe they need to reopen up the market a little bit more. Not very sure for this, but I think this part is extremely critical for the China market to grow and move forward to the next level. Mm. So Kitty, help my audience. How do they find you? Well, they can always send an email to me on the, um, at uh, kfok at idc.com. And also visit your LinkedIn, right? <laughs> yes, my LinkedIn. So I do actually sh- information in my LinkedIn. And for those that are using WeChat, search me for K-I-T-F-O-K, KitFog. That's my WeChat's um, identity as well. Cool. I actually have a WeChat account so we can connect through that. So you can find me at bleongcw or at bernardleong.com or subscribe to us at iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. You can always leave us a favorable rating, one star to five star and I hope to hear your feedback. And Kitty, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show and I will look forward to speak to you again. You're welcome.